What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us as we're in the final week of our series, Acts of Kindness. How, how, how do we allow God to transform our lives from being dispensers of random acts of kindness to becoming those individuals who entire lifestyle is all about releasing the love and lavish kindness of God along the way as we live from day to day. Let me give a real shout out to those of you who are watching from a variety of platforms online. I'm just so excited to be engaging with you today. We're really in celebration mode today. Uh, folk all across the country and the world have been taking their, their uh, kindness to the next level. And we're celebrating what God is doing uh, both in us and through us. I can't think of a better day for you to join with us. Now, if you missed this series, just go to NBCCBarrier.com and, and, and pick up on the, the messages that you've missed. Listen, I, not only will this, this series, I think, dramatically change your life, but I think it will dramatically, dramatically change tons of lives through you if you take seriously what God is saying uh, through this teaching. Now, can you simply say, be love? Yeah, just shout it out loud. Just say, be love. Now, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, you know that we've been working through the same passage of Scripture, looking at it through different sets of lenses. So let's just pick up where we left off. This is at the very end of what is called the Good Samaritan story. Luke chapter 10, verse 36 and 37. Here's what Jesus says. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. If you've been tracking with us, you know that there's a conversation between Jesus and a Jewish religious leader. And the conversation starts with the question, how does one acquire eternal life or inherit eternal life? You should love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, uh, all of your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself is the answer. Who is your neighbor? To that, Jesus tells a story about a, a Jewish man leaving Jerusalem on his way to Jericho, attacked by bandits. Uh, they beat him and rob him and leave him half dead. Two Jewish religious leaders come see him and pass by on the other side. The Samaritan comes. Of course, the crowd that's listening to Jesus tell the story knows that Samaritans and Jews, that they literally despise one another in that context. And yet this Samaritan does what the Jewish brothers do not do. And he, he gets off his beast. He cares for this wounded man, puts him on his beast, takes him to the inn, takes care of him through the night, pays the entire bill, tells the innkeeper, if anything else uh, is needed to take care of this guy, just put it on my, my account. I'll take care of you when I get back. And in this extraordinary story, the Samaritan is a Jesus figure. And so Jesus says to the Jewish religious friend, now, which one of these guys should be the one that you really, uh, that, that is being a neighbor? He says, well, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus says to him and to the crowd and to everyone who's ever read this story and to all of us who are listening, he says this. Jesus says, yes, now go and do the same. And that's what we've been practicing for the last several weeks. We've been trying to figure out how to go and do the same, how to go and release the extraordinary, lavish love and kindness of Jesus Christ into the world in basic, simple, everyday Acts. We've been trying to go and do the same. And we want uh, the love to be very concrete, right? 
So we see in the story consideration and compassion and empathy and generosity. And so we've been going trying to practice those remarkable. And so today we celebrate those of us who have not only uh, uh, seen in the story extraordinary love and kindness, but who've gotten a glimpse of actually how it feels as we've tried to engage with friend and stranger in brand new and different ways. And so it is to us that Jesus continues to say, go and do the same. Here's my summary of what Jesus is actually saying. Go and be the love you're looking for in others. You know, the love that you're hoping for, that you're praying for, that you're dreaming of finding in others. Jesus says, you go and be that love. Wow. Go be that love in your home. Go be that expression of love at work. Go be that expression of love with your family and with stranger. As you stand in a line waiting in the grocery store line or the Starbucks line or the McDonald's line, be that expression of love. Consideration and compassion. Acts of empathy as you, as you listen to the stories, even of those that you disagree with, and allow yourself to feel the pain and the fear alone that flows out of their stories. Acts of generosity, not just with your money, but with your time and your gifts and your networks and your reputation and your resources. Yes, go and be the love that you hope to find in the world. Vanessa Van Edwards is a very famous uh, a personality who's known as the lead investigator at her human behavior research lab, which is called the Science of Real People. Uh, essentially, she is a major researcher and writer who investigates uh, psychology and communication challenges that is found in the, in the contemporary culture. She's been featured on in Forbes magazine, Times, a huge TED talk, and on various networks. But here's what most people don't know about her. She is terribly, terribly afraid of failure. She has real social anxiety, and, and she, she, she's, she says she's a, she is a victim of the imposter syndrome. Oftentimes, she feels like an imposter. 2010, she tells a story how she was an aspiring writer, and she got a book deal. She took a year to work on the book, and actually in 2011, the book was published, and it bombed. She says she was ultimately told never to write again, never to try to publish again. For two months, she stayed in a room terribly, clinically depressed. Finally, her husband said, look, you got to get up. You got to keep going. You got to write. You got to talk about. She says, write, talk about what? He says, what you're going through. The darkness that you're dealing with, the anxiety, the, the, the fear of failure. So she got up and she created a podcast uh, and, and she started talking on her podcast about feeling like an imposter and about social anxiety and the fear of failure. She said she initially got 50 views and then later turned to 500 views and later became 50,000 views. And to her shock and dismay, it became 50 million views and then 500 million views. It continues. And then, a little later, the company came to her, another book, uh, another, uh, book writing publishing company came to her and said, look, it's time for you to write about this. She says, oh, no, I'm not going to do that again. She said, I don't even know what I'm going to be writing about. And here's the, here's the insight. She was told, write the book that you want to read. 
And so ultimately she wrote the book that she wanted to read. And it was called Captivate. And it exploded. There's the insight. She wrote the book that she wanted to read, and it, it, was, it was exactly what everybody else wanted to read. And here's, the, here's, here's my point. This, I'm a long way of making this point. Simply this, guys. Be the love that you want to find. Be the love. Be the expression of compassion and empathy and generosity that you hope to find in a spouse, in your sibling, in your kids, in your colleagues. Let it begin with I'll talk about this distinction between a thermometer and a thermostat. You know, the uh, thermometer simply registers the temperature in the room. And too many of us have allowed our lives to be thermometers, that we've, we've dipped our toe into acts of kindness, but then, you know, our spouse or significant other or our sibling or the kid, they're mean or they're ugly or they're nasty. And so we, go, we revert back to be mean and ugly and nasty or some colleague, uh, you know, is, is ridiculous. And so we just say, forget it. That's a thermostat. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thermometer. You're simply registering the temperature. But as a Jesus follows, one who's called to be the modern-day local Samaritan, good Samaritan in your house and on your job, you're called to be a thermostat to regulate the temperature. If no one else is living lives of lavish kindness and love, it should be you. And you know what that makes you? That makes you a part of God's movement in the world. You know, you may not catch this on the news, but let me just tell you. God is moving in the world. It doesn't look like it perhaps when you look at the politics, but I'm telling you, God is moving in the world. That is why he prompted this series to be a part of a variety of things that God is doing to demonstrate. He's calling you and me through our living of our lives to demonstrate that, that at the end of the day, love is stronger than hate, that generosity is greater than greed, and that our Acts of kindness and empathy and compassion are far more enduring than acts of meanness. So he says to you, he says to me, go! Be the love you want to see in others. And then he says, as you go, go celebrating. There's so much we have to celebrate today as we're, so many people have engaged in a wide variety of acts. I've gotten emails about them. We did a video. If you were watching uh, online, you saw this a few moments ago. You know, individuals who got gift cards and handed them out to the homeless or uh, people who paid for strangers' coffee or food or meal, uh, people who bake cookies for their next-door neighbor, and the list goes on and on and on. I want to say thank you to you guys for taking your kindness to the next level. We're celebrating you today. We're also celebrating those who have given as we seek to raise $100,000. You know, we've only been focused on giving for the last week, and we're halfway I go. We've raised $55,000. So I want to thank those of you who have given, and I want to thank those of you who are preparing to give uh, uh, even during the course of this weekend to help us over the course of the next several days to hit our target. Thank you. And we're celebrating you. Here's an example. One of the partners, we've got eight partners who are doing stellar work, ministering to tens of thousands of people in life-transforming ways. Here's one of those partners. Let's check them out. Life in the Santee community. Everyone knows each other. It's a very tight-knit community. The students are literally neighbors with one another. 
So we're very close together. This is like their second home. They're getting their meals and they're getting the attention that they need and any other help because the school is just not providing, you know, it's not only providing education. The teachers themselves um, are always willing to help. Um, whenever a student is in need of something, they're always willing to go above and beyond to help that student or the, the rest of their family. I am really are. Community here is, a very, is based on a very low income and in general, you know, all of the students, they don't have like the same opportunities that everyone else does. As parents, just knowing that the school is lacking on any resources, it's a daily struggle. It's an opportunity gap um, and it's just, it doesn't feel ethically correct, it doesn't feel that it's right. Um, all these students are held to the same standard, but they're not given the same um, you know, resources. And I also rewrote it sort of like the way you write a story. But we said as a staff and as a community, as parents, we came together and we said like, you know, poverty won't define us. Just because, you know, students live in poverty doesn't mean they're going to learn in poverty. Even though they, they may go through terrible things in their lives, they know that they have an opportunity. And that's what we are. That's, what, that's the promise that we um, have for them. When we say like education can change your path, your trajectory and not just yours but generations to come. Um, it's a big promise and it's a, it's a promise that we take very seriously and it's a promise that we need everyone to help us keep. We couldn't do it without the support of people out there that believe in our students as much as we do. The students feel special knowing that a church group across town, um, they're going to come and um, show them how much they believe in their future and how much they believe in them and how much they believe that they should have a space worth of what their potential is. The majority of the time the kids will think that there's nothing but hate here in the world. You know that a lot of people are only doing bad stuff but then they turn around and they see that a church is coming to our school to do um, some improvements and that kind of you know makes their mind change a bit and say you know what there are still nice people here in the world. Wow. You know what we're celebrating, having heard the story of one of our partners there, Santee in San Jose? We're celebrating coming alongside the faculty and coming alongside that principal who every day seek to embed in the hearts and minds of those young people. You might have been, you, you, you might be being raised in poverty, but poverty does not have to live in you. And that through the power of education, we are equipping you to dream big dreams because one day you will become the history makers and the pace setters of our country and our world. Uh, we are celebrating that through your collective giving, we're making a difference in those kids' lives. And not just in San Jose, but Garfield School, very similar school in uh, Ridgewood City, but not just locally here in the Bay Area. We're making a difference in Agape International School in Nigeria. The same basic message, you know, one of our NBCC partners was sitting in the pew as I preached a message about how God calls us to dream big dreams. She went back to uh, Nigeria and joined with her father because in that part of Nigeria, there are no public schools. There's no public elementary or middle school or high school. People have to pay thousands of dollars to get educated. 
but through the collective support that comes from NBCC. They launched a public school, and now they're educating uh, hundreds of young people, saying to them that, yo, you may, you may be growing up in poverty, but poverty does not have to live in you, and that you're called to be history makers and pace setters in the world. We're doing the same thing in Guatemala. Uh, with My Special Treasures Educational Center. When we came alongside of them several years ago, they were K through six school. Now with our collective support through our regular giving, they are K through 12 school and they've added an adult uh, learning center on top of that. They're giving adult skills in auto mechanics, from auto mechanics to, 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 to bacon so that they can raise up their own self-sustaining businesses. We're celebrating how together we're helping to make a difference there. Do you know that they're building a brand new building to house this fabulous new school that we're supporting through our collective giving? You see my point? We're celebrating how through our collective giving, our lavish kindness and love that we're pouring out, how lives are being transformed through our partners all over the world. And just yesterday, oh, we launched a special initiative that is super, super dear to my heart. Do you know yesterday, some of you know this because if you're in a local Bay Area, you may have joined us here in San Jose. We joined with City Team. You may have heard me a few weeks ago talk about how City Team have secured 50 apartment units right next to their homeless shelter. And that they're going to use these apartment units as transitional housing for single parents and their kids. So moms in particular, single moms and their kids, moms who are uh, in the housing sh shelter with kids will be able to move from the shelter to this temporary housing. Do you know what we did yesterday? We've adopted one of those units. We're going to pour $30,000 into one, and we're going to use our own labor and our own skill. And over the course of the next six months, we started yesterday, guys. We started pulling up the carpet and floors and, and refurbishing. We started it yesterday. And over the course of the next six months, we're going to completely refurbish, completely furnish, and renovate a unit. And a, and a mom and her kids are going to move in. And after they get stabilized, job trained, and job placed, they'll move out into permanent housing. And a new family will move in. And that process will continue and continue. We are celebrating as the people of God, partnering with these incredible partners, literally to change the lives of generations. Somebody shout, celebrate. That's what we're doing. We're celebrating. You know, there's a power embedded in celebration. Now, here's the question as we get ready to explore that power. Here's the question that I want you to ask. How do I develop a life that regularly releases the love that I want to see and experience in others. All right? Keep that question in the forefront of your mind. I told you there is a power embedded in celebration. Check out what Paul says in Philippians 4, 4. Here's, here's what he says. I love this translation. He says, be cheerful with joyful celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. Here's what Paul is saying. We should mark every major season of our lives with celebration. So that starts, number one, with the big moments, right? We need to celebrate the big moments in our life. I know that some of you remember the story of the prodigal son in rebellion. He exited the house and went and he ended up in poverty in a hog pen, tempted to eat with the very hogs. 
and he realized, you know, all I need to do is repent and go back to my dad and tell him I really messed up. And, and even if I was just one of his hired servants, I'd be doing better than I'm doing now. And as he was coming down the road, dad was looking out and he saw him. Dad ran out, ran down the road, threw his hands around him. This is a big moment. Somebody shout big moment. And here's what, here's what the text tells us that the dad said. He said to his servants, yes, go kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate. Oh, we've got to celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began, y'all. They, they, they broke out the turntables and started celebrating. That was a big moment. We need to make sure that we are pausing and slowing our lives down to celebrate big moments. We normally will celebrate a wedding or a graduation, but other big moments of promotions, big moments when we move from a C to an A in a classroom, big moments that the, 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 the first date ultimately that turns into potential of a marriage, big moments, big moments. Somebody shouts celebration. And then we need to celebrate incremental progress. We don't have to wait till the final victory has been secured. Come on now, in order to celebrate. Because, because, because God wants to teach us that we celebrate milestones along the way. Listen, Nehemiah, the people have regathered in the city of Jerusalem, having been in exile. The, the, the law of the Lord is brought out, the scriptures read, and as the scriptures read by Ezra and the others, the people begin to cry and they begin to weep because they see the huge gap between what God has required of them and how they would live in their lives. And in that moment of, 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 of recognition, their hearts broke. There was repentance. And before they, they, they did one thing, before they took one step in the new direction, uh, uh, Nehemiah began to say, it's time to celebrate because with your heart breaking, with this moment of repentance, that this is an incremental milestone. Listen to what he says. It says, Nehemiah continued. He said this, go and celebrate, shout celebrate, celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Oh, yes, just let your joy overflow in the lives of those who are in need so that they can join in this celebration. This is a sacred day. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a moment of incremental progress. That's what he's saying. It's a sacred day before the Lord. Every day where there's a moment of incremental process, God celebrates it. Watch this. He says, so don't be dejected. Don't be sad. He says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, my, he's teaching us as we celebrate incremental moments, it taps into the joy of the Lord that fuels us going forward. Incremental moments. So, you know, that person who's listening to me and your husband came in last night, you've been telling him for six months to take out the trash. And last night he took out the trash and he came and he said to you, baby, I took out the trash. I hope you didn't say, well, and what do you expect me to say? <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling you for six months, am I supposed to give you a prize or an award? And, and, and the answer that I want to say is yes. <laughs> yes. Celebrate. Can somebody shout celebrate? Yes. Tap into the award center, the reward center of his brain. Come on, make a big deal of it. Celebrate it. Give him a reason to keep doing what he's doing. Incremental progress. 
That kid who moved from an F to a C, celebrate it. Incremental progress. You know, that person who, who says, I'm trying to be better with my spouse or my sibling or my roommate. I'm cussing less. Come on now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm calling people out less. But yesterday, you know, you kind of, you, you, you got somebody straight, but you realized it and you went back and you apologized. I want to celebrate. That's incremental progress. Yeah, God's celebrating with you. Celebrate incremental progress. There's a power in celebration. What is it? What is it? What is it? Well, here's the third component. Celebrate the big moments. Celebrate the incremental progress. And then celebrate. I want to say celebrate daily the goodness of God. The goodness of God. You know, our theme text for Be Rich, Paul is talking to the young pastor that he's mentoring, Timothy, and he says, essentially, you know, I want you to teach the people in your congregation to be rich by doing good for others, especially for those who are in need. But the verse just before that, Paul says this, teach those who are rich. And by the way, if you're living here in America in comparison to a huge portion of the world, uh, even if you're in the lowest bracket of the low income, you're rich compared to where most people live in the world. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, shout God, who richly, here it is, richly gives us all. Can you say all? All we need for our enjoyment. Here's the point that Paul is making. Everything we get to enjoy ultimately comes from God. And so we have to celebrate the gifts that God gives us on a daily basis. This is what we hear in the psalmist as we read through the psalms. They teach us about how to celebrate the gifts that God gives us on a regular basis. This is what the psalmist means in Psalms 103 when he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Uh, and forget not his many benefits. And he begins to name the benefits that God has, has poured into his life. He's healed me of my disease. He's forgiven me of my sins. He's rescued me from death. This is what the psalmist means in Psalm 32 when he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. This is, a, this is a daily discipline of slowing life down, taking inventory of the day, inventory of the week, and discovering where are the gifts of God that requires a moment of celebration. Now, how does that help me? To live a life of love, of compassion, of empathy, come on now, of generosity, the life that I hope to experience in others. How, how does celebration help me with that? Well, the secret is that it helps to create daily gratitude. You see, if I pause 
and just take inventory of all the things I have to be grateful for. All the ways that God is pouring his blessings into my life. And I do it for the big moments. And I, I also do it in the incremental uh, uh, milestone moments. And then every day, either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, or at my lunch break, I pause and I just take a survey of my life and I begin to see how the goodness of God pours into my life. Often through the goodness of people around me, it begins to fill me up with gratitude. And before I know it, I'm declaring with James, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And before I know it, I'm declaring with the, with the psalmist, uh, as I think about the goodness of God, come on now, what shall I render to you, O oh God, for all of your many benefits. And, 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 and before I know it, out of a place of gratitude, come on now, I am giving gifts of compassion, gifts of empathy, gifts of generosity, that I'm blessing others because of how God continues to bless me. There's a connection. The discipline of celebration leads to the practice of gratitude out of which comes my being a source of blessings, of kindness to others. There it is. That's how the heart has changed, guys. Wow. Mm, 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 mm. Where in your life have you seen compassion over the course of this day? Somebody poured compassion. Who was cons where did you see someone being considerate over the course of this week? Where in your life have you seen, come on, someone taking time to hear your story of distress, your story of pain? Where in your life has someone poured their time and their gifts and their attention in terms of generosity? Uh, the other example was empathy. Where, 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 where? 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 Did you realize that you woke up this morning and even that was an unmitigated Unmerited gift from God. Wow. How does that nurture gratitude that says, I want to be a gift giver? Because that's the only way I can say thank you to others and to God. I want to pass it along. Now, here's my final passage. Mm, I love this. I love this. Somebody shout, celebrate. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says this. And the Lord your God is with you mm, all the time, guys. He's the mighty water warrior who saves you. He's always at work saving you. He's trying to rescue you. He's trying to redeem you. Come on now. He will take great delight in you that, that, that there's something about you that causes God to light up. Mm, come on now. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. But will here it is, rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. That word means celebrate. He will celebrate over you. We'll sing it. Come on, y'all. Oh, I love this text. I love this text. Somebody needs to hear this word. Uh, I, I know if there are some parents listening to me or grandparents listening to me. You know you walk into the baby's room and laying in the crib and they've messed up in their diaper and the whole, the whole thing is perfumed and you know you got to clean the diaper and you, 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 you change the diaper and you clean them. And then you see that baby lying there in a clean diaper and, and before you know you just start singing, singing over that baby because the baby brings such great delight. Hasn't accomplished anything, hasn't won any trophies, come on, but it just brings great delight. 
Oh, it creates a joy in your heart. Somebody needs to hear me say today that that's how God feels about you. That the text is saying that God is with you to save you, that God is with you to redeem you. But it all comes from the fact that God has great delight in your life. And yes, you've sinned yesterday and you messed up last night and, and you really messed up last week. But, but as you come towards God with incremental progress, asking for forgiveness and saying, God, I'm trying to do better. The text says that he will no longer rebuke you. In other words, he spiritually changes your diaper with his grace and with his forgiveness, and God just steps back. And when you wake up in the morning, the text, come on now, the suggestion is that God finds delight in you. You are the, still the sparkle of his eye, and he watches you as you move through the day, trying to be a source of kindness, unknown watches you as you move through the day, pouring your gifts and skills into somebody, listening to someone tell their story, showing up after an exhausting day, helping that kid with their homework. Come on, taking care of that elderly parent going to sleep. I want you to know that your heavenly father is watching you, not because you're perfect, but because you are faithful. Come on now. The text says he's rejoicing. He's celebrating over you from time to time. He's singing over you about how you're the delight of his heart. In other words, God is grateful for you. you. And somebody said amen and amen and amen. Take a picture of this prayer, would you? Lord, empower my life to become the love that I'm looking for in others. It begins with recognizing how much God loves you, pours into you, and through you. You might be the same for others. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.